0: Hi, everyone, welcome to this edition of Along the Forest Apps Road podcast. And uh, thanks for dropping by. We're reading through my ebook that is called the uh, Forest Apps ebook or the Complete Guide to Chainsaw Safety and Directional Felling. I wrote this book uh, back in about 2002 and Mike Bolan, a uh, good friend and was the forester for Illinois, helped put everything together for me in correct English and kind of helped with the wording and things. Laura helped with a lot of the the video and pictures for the book, but uh, it's been around for quite a while. It's been printed but also um, it's available from Barnes and Noble as an ebook series and uh, then also off our website and uh, we're now up to page 31 chapter 3 and that has to do with choosing the right saw for the job it is important to select the right saw for the task at hand selecting the right saw for the job can help reduce hazards that lead to serious injuries Safety features, weight to power ratio, anti vibration systems, and other ergonomic features, bar length, and type of chain are all features you should take into account when selecting a saw. Let's look at each one of these features in more detail. Safety features Get off to a good start by selecting a chainsaw that boasts top notch safety features. The saw you should you should select includes features designed to reduce kickback. We'll talk about that more in Chapter 4, such as a reduced kickback and low vibration chain, a Chapter 7, an inertia-activated chain brake, chain stop or catcher, throttle interlock, a hand guard on the handle, and an easy access on-off switch the chain brake the saw you select should have a chain brake this important safety feature is designed to stop the chain if kickback occurs or it can act as a parking brake while this chainsaw is idling the chain brake's handguard also helps protect the left hand from coming into contact with the moving saw chain should kickback occur pushing the handguard forward activates the chain brake This movement activates a spring-loaded mechanism that tightens the brake band on the inside of the clutch cover around the clutch drum. If the brake is functioning properly, the saw chain will not move around the bar. To release the brake, pull the handguard backward toward the saw's front handle. An inertia-activated chain brake adds an additional margin of safety for the operator in the event of a kickback. The way the chain brake is triggered, either manually or automatically, depends on the force of the kickback, the position of the chainsaw in relation to the object being cut, and the operator's position. An inertia activated chain brake will be activated by the backward and upward movement of the saw during kickback. Otherwise, the chain brake must be activated manually by your left hand and wrist, contacting the handguard as the saw rotates toward the operator. There are certain situations where kickback could result without achieving or activating the chain brake. For this reason, you should stay properly positioned, mentally alert at all times while operating your saw, and always maintain a firm grip with your thumbs encircling both handles of the saw to ensure maximum control. Your saw should have a chain stop or catcher on the bottom side of the saw, just below where the bar connects to the saw body. Chain stops are made from soft aluminum or hard plastic. If the chain comes off the bar during use, it will contact the chain stop, shortening the chain's length and stopping its rotation. This helps prevent the chain from coming into contact with your hand or body. Throttle Interlock The throttle interlock is designed to prevent accidental operation of the throttle control. The interlock feature means you must be in the driver's seat with your hand grasping the throttle handle before the saw will accelerate. The interlock is activated when you grasp the handle. This allows the throttle trigger to be depressed, thus accelerating the saw. When you release the handle, the throttle trigger and the interlock both move back to their original positions. This causes the throttle control to automatically lock at the idle position. An operating throttle interlock will virtually prevent the saw from accelerating if it is accidentally dropped or placed where the handle throttle could come in contact with brush or a stick. I have had chainsaw operators participate in my training programs who have permanently deactivated the throttle interlock by taping it down to the throttle Handle, the saw handle with tape. Some have experienced serious injury due to this because brush or a stick contacted the throttle trigger and accelerated the saw when they set it down on the ground, and kickback occurred as the turning chain contacted nearby brush. Never tape down or deactivate the throttle interlock. Hand Guards Many manufacturers have incorporated this safety feature into their new saw designs. The bottom surface of the saw's rear handle is expanded to help increase protection to the right hand should the chain jump off the bar. The hand guard features also helps stop branches and twigs from interfering with your grip on the rear handle. Stop switch The stop switch should be in a convenient position on the saw so it can easily be activated with your right hand. You should not have to take your hand off the saw to activate the stop switch. Weight to power ratio. It is important to have a saw that will handle the job you need to do. Basically, there are three sizes of chainsaws to choose from based on the work that needs to be done. Lightweight saws have 8 to 12 inch bars and are best for light work, cutting small branches and felling very small trees, 6 to 10 inch diameters at the cut. Middleweight saws are equipped with a 14 to 20 inch bar and are excellent for frequent log cutting and felling of small to medium sized trees, 10 to 18 inches. Heavyweight chainsaws generally have a bar more than 20 inches long and normally are used by professional loggers or in tree care, not homeowners or occasional saw users. Tree care professionals frequently use smaller lightweight saws for work in the tree by climbers and bucket truck operators. Many operators equate power solely with weight and engine size. While these are sometimes good measures of cutting ability, operators looking to ensure optimum performance from their saws also should pay special attention to engine speed as measured in revolutions per minute, RPM. Two classifications of RPM are used to measure chainsaw engine speed. Recommended no-load RPM and RPM at maximum torque. Each has a direct correlation to chain speed and how hard your saw will work for you. The recommended no load RPM is the maximum speed you should run the saw at full throttle without cutting wood. In general, saws with recommended no load RPM higher than 14,000 will allow faster and cleaner cuts of small branches. RPM at maximum torque is the speed the saw should run when cutting wood in order to achieve the most horsepower. Paying attention to these RPM levels will help you choose the right chainsaw for each job and will help you keep your saw running at peak performance. A high RPM lightweight chainsaw can offer a number of benefits. High RPM allows for fast cutting and if the saw has been at rest, fast acceleration, back up to the maximum torque range. You will find a lightweight, high-speed saw excellent for tree trimming, limbing, and cutting small diameter branches. Larger, more powerful saws with lower RPM, like 12,500 to 13,500 RPM maximum no-load engine speed, are normally the ones used by professional loggers and frequently purchased by homeowners and landowners. These include middleweight and heavyweight saws. If you use a saw with a long bar, 24-inch plus, or are cutting large logs, high speed may be important as you begin, but torque is more important once you get into the cut. Heavyweight may, long, may no longer be a proper term for today's saws used by most logging and tree care professionals. These professional units are very lightweight considering the horsepower and RPMs they produce. Loggers now commonly use smaller saws than a few years ago. This is because of the increased technology saw manufacturers have placed in these units. It's not uncommon to find a 4.3 cubic inch, about 71 cc saw, now weighing in at only 14 to 16 pounds. Anti-vibration. Continuous excessive vibration can lead to rapid operator fatigue and possibly nerve and circulatory damage in the hands, fingers, and wrists. Some saws have incorporated anti-vibration features that help dampen vibration and make operation easier. A vibration dampening system reduces vibrations transmitted from the engine and chain to the handles of the chainsaw. The body of the saw, including the bar and chain, is insulated from the handles by vibration dampening buffers or springs. The front handles of some saws are designed to improve the balance and positioning of the saw during use. An angled front handle helps reduce fatigue and improves productivity by maintaining power head weight, power head height, and a level bar and chain when rotating the saw 90 degrees. An angled front handle also permits the operator to keep the left wrist straight during operation. This helps reduce fatigue. Other ergonomic features. Controls and switch positions should be located within easy reach of the saw's rear handle. The choke lever, fast idle, and the on-off switch are, usually continu- are used continually throughout the day, so proper placement of these controls are necessary to ensure smooth operation. A decompression valve is a nice feature that greatly reduces the required pulling force of the starter cord. This device can reduce fatigue and the likelihood of strained back muscles. Some saws also feature heated handles for winter use. In cold weather, this improves circulation in the hands and reduces fatigue. Guide Bars Bars come in three basic types, laminated sprocket nose, sprocket nose with replacement tip, and solid nose. There are several manufacturers of guide bars, and each manufacturer produces several different types and lengths. Each saw manufacturer specifies the bar length and chain combination to maximize the saw's performance and reduce the likelihood of kickback. Saws with a warning label referring to the ANSI B-175 1-1991 kickback requirements have a lower kickback tendency as long as a recommended saw chain and guide bar combination is used. Check the saw's owner manual for the manufacturer's recommendations on guide bar length and saw chain combinations for your saw or the one you are considering. Solid Nose Bars solid nose or hard-nosed guide bars have been around since dirt, so to speak, and that's really where they excel the best in really dirty conditions. For example, logs or trees that have been pulled, skidded through the mud with a skidder or tractor. solid nose bars are hardened by applying welded beads of stellite, studite, or titanium to the wear area of the bar's tip. Replaceable sprocket nose bar Most solid nose bars are being replaced by new technology bars with a replaceable sprocket tip. This type of bar offers a lot less friction and wear in the tip area and allows the saw to operate with greater chain tension in the bar rail. This bar is preferred by professionals for use, especially in bore cut or plunge cut techniques. Laminated Sprocket Nose Bars The laminated sprocket nose bar functions the same during use as the replaceable sprocket nose bar, but it usually costs less in the marketplace. Laminated bars consist of three pieces of thinner metal and a sprocket that are laminated together with spot welding and rivets. This design forms a very flexible guide bar configuration, Laminated bars are normally lighter, adding less weight to the saw, and are a lot lighter on the wallet. A word of caution on bow bars. Occasionally I receive inquiries, mostly from the southern United States, about bow bars. A lot of bow bar use has been reduced in recent years. Many manufacturers and insurance underwriters have limited or ceased their sale and usage. The bow bar's specific purpose is to buck felled trees into log lengths. They offer the operator extended reach and a low degree of pinching in the cut. There are two important things, however, to consider when using the bow bar. The kickback zone region of the bow bar is probably five times that of a standard saw guide bar. Kickback potential increases considerably with their use. The bow bar wasn't and still isn't designed for felling trees. Many accidents occur when operators apply the bow bar to cutting techniques for which it was not designed. Low and reduced kickback chains. Most modern chainsaws are equipped with saw chain designs that have both good cutting capacities and low kickback tendencies. For the occasional chainsaw user, a low kickback chain is good common sense. Only professional loggers or landowners who have received special chainsaw use training should use saw chain with no or improved kickback protection. See Chapter 7 for more discussion on chain types, selection, sharpening, and care. Oils and Fuel Mixtures We could spend a month writing about opinions, requirements, and suggestions regarding manufacturer and operator's questions regarding oils and fuels. I only want to summarize the guidelines I suggest in training and demonstrations. First, bar and chain oil is worth the money. Manufacturers recommend the use of a good bar and chain oil because it is specially blended with tack agents to better adhere to the rotating saw chain and guide bar. It also has rust inhibitors and other additives to raise the flash or evaporation point of the oil to cover a wide range of heat situations. If you examine the small amount of money difference between a good bar and chain lubricant and regular motor oil, You will offset the cost quickly. You should look at the important advantage differences of the bar oil. Second, follow the manufacturer's recommendation on mixing oils. Each manufacturer knows the lubrication requirements of its engines. Its testing and experience with different engine requirements and a variety of fuels has justified its mix requirements. Why take a chance? For the amount of mixed fuel your saw will consume related to your automobile's consumption is a small amount. To pay a few cents more for a manufacturer's mix oil is not going to break the pocket of anyone. Mix the fuel at the suggested ratio. To add more oil to ensure lubrication is not always smart. The mixture must be able to burn cleanly and lubricate well. If too rich, burning problems may occur, causing buildup. Carbon buildup can cause expensive engine failure, just as lean mixtures can. Third, the number of oil particles related to the fuel particles is the mix ratio. If a mixture suggests 25 to 1, it means the mixture should be 25 parts of gas to one part of oil. If the ratio is 50 to 1, the mixture required is thinner. There would be 50 parts of gasoline to 1 part oil. Use a clean container of appropriate size to support your average fuel requirement. Then I suggest buying the mix oil in small bottles from form that mixes that size container. Trying to divide bottles can be error-prone and time-consuming for instance. Husqvarna has a 1 gallon and 2 and one-half-gallon and a five-gallon mix oil selection. The one-gallon mix bottle has 2.6 ounces of oil, which when added to a one-gallon can of clean gasoline will produce a two-cycle fuel ratio mix of 50 to 1. And fourth, mix only as much fuel as needed for your work. Letting fuel sit around for a month or so is not only unsafe, it's going to lose its volatility and can or will cause problems in your two-cycle equipment. Fuel stabilizers can help and have been added to some fuel mix oil to retain its stability in gasoline longer, but it's still a good idea to keep mixed fuel as short a time as possible. Make sure you dispose of old, unused fuel properly. Well, folks, I want to thank you for listening in today for Chapter 3. We're going to be reading through the rest of the book as time goes on. I'll be adding the other chapters. And uh, I hope you picked up something out of this uh, Chapter 3 A lot on uh, bars and chain have changed uh, since the book was written. There's uh, a lot of lighter weight bars out. There's a lot of uh, reduced kick saw chains now that uh, more or less still bore well and cut well for a lot of different techniques. And so uh, the safety features uh, are still an important part or should be an important part of your saw purchase. And making sure the, the right size um, you know, for your job. And that's the reason why there's so many different uh, models and, and sizes. It's important to pick the right one, uh, not to uh, over-exercise you, I'd have to say, or fatigue you, and to be able to, uh, to handle the job uh, size-wise. So this is Tim Ard, and we're wishing you a good sawing, and we hope to see you. Along the Forest Aps Road.